Okay, our text is Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. And just kind of tell you the verse uh, before verse 15, Jesus has asked the disciples who men say that he is. And they said, well, some think you're Jeremiah, some think you're this and uh, prophets or whatever. Just trying to name some people or name some who Jesus could be. And obviously people were talking about it in Jerusalem and around the uh, northern kingdom because he was making an impact. And so they were trying to associate him with one of the men of the Old Testament era. And so they, they are uh, giving him different names, but they don't really know for sure. And then verse 15, we see Jesus kind of turns that around a little bit. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, obviously they're in a place by themselves. If the priest and the Pharisees of that day would have heard Peter say that at that moment, they probably would have dragged him off to a prison and maybe even crucified him at that time. So that was something that to them was total blasphemy. Why was it that way? Because really he was assigning deity to Jesus Christ by calling him the, the son of the living God. And the Greek word there for son is the word that means uh, the very seed, the very offspring which would make him equal with God. And so that was why, that, why they were upset and wanted to have him uh, put to death if they had heard that. And so let's have a word of prayer with that uh, in mind. We'll get started. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to delve into your word today. And as we look at this sermon I've titled, The Prevailing in the Battle of Life, uh, as believers, those who know Christ as their Savior also know that we're involved in a battle. And so, Lord, I pray that each would stand true. I pray they would not allow anything to take them away from the call and the will of God and that they would stand true to you. If there's one that does not know if they died today that heaven's their home, I pray that today would be the very day they come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I ask this in the name above every name, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, now let's take up reading here in verse uh, 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, who revealed it to Peter? God the Father. He just told us. My Father in heaven revealed it to you. So, God the Father revealed to Peter. That tells me one thing. We don't read of a voice coming out of the heavens and saying, uh, Peter, that's my son, that's my very seed. 
No, that doesn't, that doesn't come out there. But you see, Peter has a relationship with the Lord, with God. You know, our, when we say God, keep it always in mind as a believer. You're saying God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Because of three divine distinctions in one divine essence. And so when you have that, that's God. That's God. And so God spoke to him, and obviously he had been walking with God that he would know his voice, what that inner voice is. It wasn't a voice that everybody could hear coming out of the clouds or even Peter, but rather it was in his heart God spoke to him. And Peter by that time knew, because he knew the Lord, knew what had been taught, that that's the voice of God speaking to me now in his inner man. God spoke to him. You know, God wants to speak to you today that same way. Yeah. Uh, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And one thing each of us as a believer ought to strive for is the very voice of God in our heart is just as familiar to us as the voice of our spouse. And those will be two different voices because that voice in your heart won't be audible to your ear, but it will be audible to your spirit. And so you have, you, you have to be in God's Word and know the mind of God. It's from getting in the Word of God. It's from studying the Word of God. You get to know the mind of God. Let God speak to you. You know, people are paying $50 to $100 an hour for psychiatrists or psychologists. We have the great psychologist in that he's the great counselor. We find that in the book of Isaiah. And so since he's the great counselor, who has counsel better than God? And he's preserved it for us in his word. And his counsel sustains through every, every generation. Now, if you don't believe that, then you don't believe the Word of God. Okay, and so uh, it's wise to make the right choice. And the Word of God is the right choice every time. And so, uh, God the Father had revealed this to Peter. And he says in verse 18, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter. Now, why does Jesus give him that name Peter instead of his given name, Simon Barjona? Now, a lot of times they used as a surname their, uh, what is a description. As a matter of fact, most Bible names that you read about, they prayed, they decided a name for their child, and, and that name that was given would speak of perhaps what God is calling this child to be. What God is going to do in this child. The angel was very specific in, in talking to Mary and also to Joseph about the name of Jesus. And so uh, the name Barjona simply means son of Jonah. Now, it wasn't a Jonah of that day, uh, perhaps, but maybe it was a man named Jonah living. And it wasn't unusual to say uh, a name and follow it with bar whatever. 
and that meant they were the son of this guy. Oh, yeah, he lives over in Bethlehem. Oh, yeah, he lives over here. Yeah, he lives in this place. So that wasn't unusual to do that. Uh, Peter, it could have been Bar Jonah. Thinking of Jonah, who was swallowed by the great fish. And in another place it says a whale. And theologians argue with one another over it. All I know, he got swallowed by something. Whether it's a fish or a whale, he got swallowed. God delivered him. And perhaps that's the idea the Lord is trying to give to him there. I don't know that. I'm just putting that out there to you. But uh, he has called him Simon Bar-Jonah. That is important. And he says, uh, he goes on to say there in, in this text, um, because uh, Peter means pebble, <laughs> there's a, you wonder why, why is he not calling him Simon Barjona, or just Simon? But he says Peter. Now evidently he'd been calling him Peter even earlier than that. But here he says, now art Peter. Why? Why would he do that? Because Peter means pebble. So as you continue in verse 18, he says, And upon this rock will I build my church. Now, if you just follow what the passage here is saying, you see this. Jesus said, what, Who do men call, said that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ was another way of saying the Messiah. The one that would be appointed to come and die for our sins and be buried and rose from the dead as spoken of in the book of Isaiah. He would be the one, the sin bearer for us. He would be the one that would be the Savior, the Son of God. And so, it's not Peter the pebble that the church is built upon. It's built upon the solid rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. When he said upon this rock, the word he used for rock would have been a word they would have used if they were talking back in that day, if they were out on the uh, ocean there uh, sailing near Rome. And they got down there to the southern part of Rome, and they saw the rock of Gibraltar. That rock would have been referred to in the same way. That is the rock upon which the Lord is going to build His church. It's a boulder. It's the one that withstands the storms of life. It seems like a little children's thing that we've sung before, you know, the wise man built his house upon the rock, upon the sand, I mean. Uh, no, the wise man on the rock, the foolish man on the sand. The foolish man didn't last. The wise man, it, it withstood everything. It was upon a boulder. It was on solid rock. You know, when you try the methods and the ways of the world, it's going to blow your house apart. So what do you do? You need to stay true to the Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. Because the storms of life will come. They will hit. And so, now we see the reason for the rest of verse 18. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, that is the rock of Jesus Christ. Everyone that is born in this world is born a sinner. Because you've inherited a sin nature from your parents, who inherited it from their parents. And I'm not going to try to go all the way back to Adam. But that's where it started. So, we have a connection with Adam. We, each of us have inherited something from him. A sin nature. And yet, even in that third chapter of Genesis, Eve is told that there would be a son to come. Now, she thought it would be the one that she has. No, but it would come through that line. And the day would come. The Lord told him, God told him, that that deliverer, that Savior, would be of the seed of the woman. Now, we know that a seed does not come from the woman. So, the seed of the woman, because the very Spirit of God would form that seed inside of Mary. And his name would be called the Son of God. Something that was predicted and told and prophesied by the Father, because the Father knew, knows the end from the beginning, Acts 15, 18. And because he knows everything, he was able to tell them, I'm sending a Savior. Why? Because the wages of sin is death, and the only way to be delivered from that is by a Savior whose blood it would cost, and that blood would separate us from the penalty of our sin if we receive it as Lord and Savior. Receive Him as Lord and Savior. So, believing He is the Son of God is the rock. Believing that He is the Savior for your soul is the rock. Calling upon Him through repentance and faith to save your soul, that's the rock. Not Peter. The Greek word petros meant pebble. The gates of hell shall not withstand against it. Basically, we're born into this world, headed to hell, and hell gladly puts its gates around us. But when the gospel is given to people, and those inside those gates hear it, they can escape those gates of hell in this life. And the gates of hell cannot withstand the power of the gospel. They just can't. And so that's why it's up to you and it's up to me to constantly give the gospel to others. Over the years, some of you have heard the same thing. People saying, well, they preach too much salvation at that church. Hmm. Too much salvation? I mean, the gospel, the Bible tells us clearly two things about it. One, it's power to those that believe. So you don't think we should have that power? You don't want it? You don't want God's power? But not just that. Let's go on further. We also find out that the church is built upon a foundation. Guess what? That foundation's the solid rock. 
that foundation is Jesus Christ. No other foundation can any man lay but that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So you don't want salvation, then you don't want a foundation for the church. You don't want a foundation for your life. And you don't want the power of God. If it convicts you when you hear salvation, either because you're not saved or you're not witnessing to the lost, that's easy to take care of. That's one way to prevail in the battle of life. God's will, God's way, and God's timing when it concerns your soul is right now. And so, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Oh, the rock Jesus Christ, giving his only begotten son to pay the penalty for us. I could not have died for any of you. I could not have died to deliver myself. I would have, been have, I would have had to have been able to die on my own after burial, raised from the dead. And after I raised from the dead, take my blood and apply it to the mercy seat in heaven, which would not count because my blood has sin in it. It was only the perfect blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, that delivers us. And so His blood is on that mercy seat of heaven. That blood is still there. That's why anytime someone will repent and believe the gospel, that blood payment there is a counted to them as well. For he, he, he died, not for us only, but for the sins of the whole world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 tells us. And think of it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. The sinless Son of, the Lord Jesus, uh, Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us he, 21, he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's why Ephesians says that we are accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. And so, He became sin for us, took all my sin. Even when I wasn't born, had not sinned, all my sin would be laid upon him so the payment would be in full when I was born and I could have the opportunity to receive Christ as Savior. If you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home, the payment has already been made so you don't have to go to hell for eternity where you never cease to exist. Oh no, that's not it. No. That blood payment was made so you didn't have to go. But if you don't receive Christ as your Savior, as your Lord and Savior, if you don't receive Him, then your eternal destiny is in a lake of fire where you don't cease to exist and where you can never escape. There's no end. Torment, day and night, forever and ever. And yet it would be so easy to escape that. And don't be like some of these idiots, whether they're in politics, sports, or whatever, or in education that say, I can't see a good God with a hell. Well, I'll tell you one thing, He's not going to be in hell. But He created it for the devil and his angels. That means He didn't want for you to have to go. 
But it's there. It's there. That tells me it's important to the Lord Jesus Christ, very important. If you love Christ, you want to know what's important to Him. If you actually love Christ, you want to know what's important to Him. If He's your Savior, you want to know what's important to Him. Obviously, His death, burial, and resurrection would make it very important to Him to go through that. I mean, He told Peter when He looked at Him, He says, Look, I could call 12 legions of angels. But then, basically saying, there'd be no salvation for mankind. He, he didn't call those angels. I think, as the Son of God, don't forget John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus made it all. He paid it all. He was God. The Bible that you and I have, this King James Bible, is the written Word of God. Jesus is the living Word of God, and every word in this book was breathed out of His mouth. To holy men of old, that God could trust to write those words down exactly the way He gave them. Not a bunch of slaves and other people that were in Egypt, educated men that wanted to say what they wanted to say, and so they tried to change manuscripts. We call it the critical text. Isn't it interesting? The same people that hold to that, they want to criticize the Bible, but you better not criticize our text. Let me say it kindly. They're idiots. Now, he paid it all. He was our sacrifice to bear all sin for all men for all time. That was Jesus Christ. How can we ignore? How can it be that when we hear about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ at any time, let alone Easter, at any time, can it not move our heart? If I get to the point where Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection doesn't stir the, the emotions of my heart, I can just hear it coldly and say, oh yeah, then I am frozen. I am saved so as by fire. I am not serving my Lord if it ever gets to that point. He is the rock of ages. And He is the one the church is built upon. That's what He's telling I will build my church. You notice what He said? My church. My church. Every local church belongs to Jesus Christ. The word, the Greek word for church, means a called out assembly. You realize that even in heaven, there's a church? Yeah. There is. It'll be Central Baptist Church North. Okay. Uh, no, not really. Now look, everybody that's called up to meet the Lord in the air 
so shall we ever be with the Lord. We'll meet him in the clouds and ever be with the Lord. Guess what we are? We're called out. We're a called out assembly when we're raptured. The rapture is the rapture. You hear preachers say the rapture of the church. That's what they mean. We're a called out assembly. We're called out. That's every saved person. Whether it's Central Baptist Church or some other church. Anyone saved is going to be called out there. If they never belong to a church in this life, they're going to belong to one there. Now, people can get upset. People do get upset. People are unfriendly to me. That preacher preaches too much on salvation. That preacher preaches too much on sin. That preacher preaches too much on this subject. I have about six or seven subjects I've been told I preach too much on. And, and I haven't done this, but I, I, I ought to. Hey, take that up with God. He gives me the sermon each time. I, I really pray about it and find out what He wants me to preach, and that's what I do. And if you don't like it, tell God He's wrong for giving me that. You know, it's, it's interesting how people think that they are really the, the know-it-all. They are the ones that know what should be preached and shouldn't be preached. And yet themselves are not bringing souls to the Savior. What does that say? They don't understand their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we have a Roundup Sunday that we might be able to bring souls under the sound of the gospel. And yet, I know next Sunday I'm preaching the gospel. The sermon's already prepared. But yet, although I'm preaching the gospel, it is totally ineffective without the prayer of God's people. Actually, you're helping me to preach that gospel that God's given me to preach by praying for it. By praying, and that God would work through it. And that's not just for Roundup Sunday, that's any time. You know how God, how does God tell people to preach? Well, you look in the Bible to find it out. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. But preacher, it's going to be bad, so do it with all long suffering and authority. Hey, people are not going to respond to you at 100%. Jesus didn't get 100% response. Actually, he did. He got a lot of no's. But you're not going to get 100% the way you think they should do it. Yes, we're a called out assembly. But we are saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, as Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says. But verse 10, so often we leave that out. Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God, if you're saved, has a ministry for you. If you're saved, God has you want, uh, things for you to do that he wants you to do. Do it. He wants you to be a witness. Do it. Look, we've got gospel tracts out there. Read them. Get to know the gospel so well that you can memorize it to the point where you can repeat it to people to give them the gospel. And you say, oh, my memory's not that good. Then take it and read it to them. We actually did that one year for a campaign, and we had over 30 people get saved. Just reading a tract to them. So I, I want you to understand, God works through His Word. It's not Andy Bloom that has the 
power, it's God's word that has the power. That's why it's so important to preach it. That's why it's so important to teach it. That's why it's so important to stand on it and not cower and not back down because people don't like it. Now, hopefully we don't have that problem here in this church now. But if we do, uh, all I can say in love is get yourself right with God. Get yourself right with God. Now, so, the purpose of the local church, a called out assembly, is Christ's church. We are His church. And so our purpose is to bring souls to the Savior. Our purpose is to labor together. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, no, excuse me, not chapter 6, uh, but uh, chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. I'm going to try to sum this up here pretty quickly. He says, for we labor together with God. Look, I've invited quite a few people for Roundup. What if none of them come? In heaven, they, when they say, for the judgment seat of Christ or the white throne, whichever it is. They say, what? I didn't know. I didn't hear that. Yeah, but you were invited to hear it and you passed it up. You didn't want anything to do with it. Or it might be a Christian that he says, yeah, you had an opportunity to bring souls to Savior, but you wouldn't even invite people to go where they would hear the gospel. You might have been too weak as an individual that you feared man so much more than you did God that you wouldn't at least invite him to church, let alone witness to them. But you could have. And so those are things that we've got to consider because I don't want any of you to have a bad report if you're saved when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And that wouldn't be love on my part at all. Not at all. And so we are laborers together and we're laboring with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. So who do we labor for? And with God. All of us together with God. That is your call on your life. That's my call on my life. That means God also calls the shots. You say, what do you mean by that God calls the shots? Didn't he say, I'm going to build my church on the rock? Okay. Jesus dying for our sins, being buried and rose from the dead, the rock of ages that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. You don't know that because you've never, if you've never tried to witness and bring souls to the Savior, you don't know that. Although it's in our, the, the Word of God, you don't know that because you don't practice it. Look, not everybody gets saved. Uh, Jesus didn't get everybody saved, but he preached that same gospel to them. Peter, Paul, all the apostles with the exception of John died for preaching the gospel. I mean, I, I think everywhere the apostle Paul went, I think his first words were out of his mouth is, if you were to die today, do you know that you'd go to heaven? I think even when they were 
cut his head off. I think he had head rolled down there. All of a sudden, the eyes opened. He said, if you died today, would you go to heaven? I, I don't know if that happened, but uh, probably didn't. But what I'm saying is, he had that heart. He had that heart. So we've got to ask ourselves, do we have that heart? He said, it's my church. The Apostle Paul goes to Philippi. He ends up leading a jailer and his family to the Lord and baptizing them. But to get to that point, he had to go through a terrible beating. He bled. He was whipped. But a church started in Philippi. Paul goes to, from Philippi to Thessalonica. If you read about it in First and Second Thessalonians, you'll see that he was also persecuted there. Yet, the church at Philippi that he had started sent to his need missionary and that mission team to bring other souls to the Savior and a church is established in Thessalonica. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, he says, not forsaking, not forsaking. That I-N-G means there, not there. There, not there. There, not there. Not forsaking. In other words, the idea is that person goes when he feels like it's convenient or he wants to or he, oh, I'm just not tired. Look, I've averaged last two nights in a row about three hours sleep. I was just praying that I wouldn't go to sleep before y'all do. Um, but what I'm saying is, is this. Is it although, that's what forsaking, he says, not forsaking the assembling. See, we're the called out assembly. That's why we meet every week. That's why our church has a, as a standard to join this church, and because it's from God, to be a part of that church, you've got to be saved. And after that, baptized because Christ commanded it. Thirdly, you make it a matter of prayer. You know, if, if you make it a matter of prayer, you're not going to be the one that abandons ship when the trials of life come. You're going to stay true. You're going to stay true if you don't go the other direction and just say, oh, I got my feelings hurt. No, you better stay with the Word of God because the judgment seat of Christ won't be good for you. But not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. But then he says this, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, he said, just don't be there when it's convenient. Be there when the doors are open, when they're there around the Word of God, they're there singing the praises of God, and they're worshiping our Almighty God. Then don't miss. Yeah, I, I believe, for an example, even in that day, there were soldiers, and they were out on the field. They couldn't come back all the way back into town and go to church. They were out there in the war. There were certain things that some people couldn't be there, but it was because of their vocation. There are people that are members here that aren't here today because right now they're working on a police department or a sheriff's department or a fireman's department or in a hospital. I'm glad they're there. Today we have live stream, but we also have our internet that keeps these sermons up there. If somebody truly says, I didn't want to miss church, well, 
They may not have been there when it happened, but they can go back and listen to it. But my friend, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some of them is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. If I asked, I'd probably get 100% in this crowd, but in a lot of churches, I'd probably get at least 50%. Do you believe that Jesus is coming again, and do you believe He's coming soon? Yeah, man, boy, look at the way this world is today. He could come at any time. Well, what do you Lord say, because again, these are breathed out words by God. These are Jesus' words, not some guy that made them up. Not forsaking the, uh, the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some years, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, if you really believe that Jesus is coming soon, then you're going to be in church. Now, Jesus died and called it my church. Apostles went out they died planting his churches, Jesus' churches. You and I are meeting here today because of all of those things that happened 2,000 years ago. We're going to have Veterans Day in November. You think we ought to honor veterans? I think so. So, why can't we honor Christ? The local church is so important to Jesus Christ that he died for it. It is so important that he made it his church. He provided it with officers. With The Bible is very clear. Pastor and deacons. And said that the entire membership is labors together with God. Jesus Christ is that foundation. So how important is the local church to you? Are the trials of life so much more in your own personal life that the things of God will not prevail because you won't allow it? See, if it's going to prevail, then you've got to allow it in your life. Now again, you're not a part of this church or any church unless you first receive Jesus Christ as Savior. I mean, you can go and join uh, some way out there Catholic church or some way out there Methodist church or some way out there other church, whatever it is, or way out there Baptist church. A lot of Baptists gone in the wrong direction. But what I'm saying is, they can go that wrong direction. They can, they can be that way. So, well, I joined a church. But that's not where God wanted you. It's not His church. They went their way. When they went their way, it's no longer His church. And those people, if they were saved, they're still saved, but so as by fire. But do you know if you die today, that heaven's your home? If not, then let's make sure of it today, okay? Let's just make sure of it today. Let's bow our heads, please.